0: Paul, come and read our passage, please.
1: Okay, so we'll be reading from Habakkuk 2, 2 to 20. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Look at the proud, their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Moreover, wealth is treacherous, the arrogant do not endure. They open their throats wide as Sheol, like death they never have enough. They gather all nations for themselves and collect all peoples as their own. Shall not everyone taunt such people and with mocking riddles say about them, Alas, for you who heap up what is not your own. How long will you load yourselves with goods taken in pledge? Will not your own creditors suddenly rise? And those who make you tremble wake up. Then you will be booty for them because you have plundered many nations All that survive of the people shall plunder you. Because of human bloodshed, the violence to the earth, to cities and all who live in them. Alas for you who get evil gain for your house, setting your nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. The very stones will cry out from the wall and the plaster will respond from the woodwork. Alas for you who build a town by bloodshed and found a city on iniquity. It is not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor only to feed the flames and nations weary themselves for nothing. But the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Alas for you who make your neighbors drink, pouring out your wrath until they are drunk in order to gaze on their nakedness. You will be sated with contempt instead of glory. Drink you yourself and stagger. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and shame will come upon your glory. For the violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you. The destruction of the animals will terrify you because of human bloodshed and violence to the earth, to cities, and all who live in them. What use is an idol once its maker has shaped it? A cast image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in what has been made, though the product is only an idol that cannot speak. Alas for you who say to the wood, wake up to silent stone, rouse yourself. Can it teach? See, it is gold and silver plated, and there's no breath in it at all. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him.
0: Beautiful. Thank you. Love your voice, man. Over there. Great. You know, you know what's amazing to me, folks? Thank you. Thanks for all the little bits and pieces beforehand. But they matter. Um. When we, At the end of last year, we said, what should we do in the beginning of the year? What text should we wrestle with and spend time discussing and dialoguing and teaching around? And we thought, you know what, we'll do an Old Testament text. And uh, Habakkuk came to mind, or Habakkuk, or Habakkuk. And, um, and so we started diving into it. Little did we know that the Sunday we would be moving into our new space would be the Sunday that the primary glute verse in this lengthy passage the just shall live by faith habakkuk starts off by complaining to god that the nation is in chaos he is fully frustrated that god isn't actually doing something then god offers his solution and habakkuk's more furious we know why he one commentator called him the bleeding prophet so he comes with a second complaint like i really don't like what you are proposing And God's proposal is the Chaldeans or the Babylonians think Russia, think they are coming. Your sin has left me no alternative. I think Habakkuk was so exasperated. He just stood on the wall of the city. said, all right, you do what you're going to do. Because none of this makes sense. The God of his creation. The God that... Habakkuk had forged in his mind this loving, caring, merciful God who really is not grumpy, who, who, who's full of, who's about justice, it's just about living happily ever after, a Silla-esque, Cinderella-esque God, a Santa Claus-esque God isn't that way at all. And when we dealt with this text, we, we had to wrestle with the fact sometimes the God we create in our minds and the God that actually is are on a collision course. Because they're not the same God. But these six words, the the just shall live by faith, probably more than any other text, has had a transforming impact in Western civilization. Abraham, which we'll look at briefly, Paul, we'll look at briefly, Martin Luther, we will look at briefly. All three of them were held captive by this idea that the just shall live by faith. I want to argue, and I'm gonna speak quickly because I want to concertine us a little bit tonight. I want to ask that, that, that faith is not a technical word, that this is the moment We preachers get all technical on you, and we go Hebrews and the Greek, and and we exegete it, and that's all good. But I want to suggest faith is not, firstly, a technical word, nor is it a philosophical word, firstly, nor is it a theological word, firstly. I want to argue faith is a relational word. It's a relational word. In fact, if we take the idea in the culinary terms of reductionism, if we boil it down, boil it down, boil it down to its essence, the essence of it is trust. Because what's faith all about? Well, I can give you the dictionary definition. I can give you the theological description. I can wrestle with you around f- philosophical ideation. But none of those really deal with it. It's a word of Trust. Bishop Baron or Baron, who is the bishop Catholic bishop in Santa Barbara. Love his conversations on YouTube. When describing faith, he said, you know, imagine this. He said, You are curious about a girl, or guy, if you want. So what you do is you search them, maybe start at Wikipedia. Is there anything about them there? Go to Facebook if they're old. Go to Instagram if they're young, go to TikTok if they're cool, go to Tinder if they're crazy. And then I put together this picturesque view, this database of this person whom I now have researched. I have all the intellectual commodities necessary to know what this person is about. I've got a fairly good spreadsheet of what they are about. But when I meet them, when we talk, when I hear their heart, when I find their true loves and passions and injuries and dreams, then I decide if I can trust them. See, it's not the accrual of knowledge about that person that gives me the confidence to believe in them. It is the intimate story. It's the intimate interaction that grows confidence inside of me or trust, two key faith words, trust and confidence. And then I am able to say, I believe in you. Now, all analogies of limitations, of course they are. Imagine my grandson who's running around here somewhere. He was distraught early on. Dana was getting ready to kind of do her bit. And and he said, Mommy, I want the mic. I mean, in a two-year-old way. And she said, No, Scooby, and his heart broke. He was devastated. He just fell in a heap and wept, you know. Don't you love kids? They don't even try and hide their emotion. Well, can you imagine? uh, Leander comes back to his mom or his dad, and he says, Listen, I'm really hungry My tummy is hurting. Can you feed me? Now, why doesn't he go to someone in the street or some stranger or some other person? Well, because he believes that his mommy or daddy loves him, desires to satisfy him, and has the means to satisfy them. Now, I was writing this out pretty impressed with my story. And then yesterday was Delta, sister, one-year-old's party. Now it's right towards the end of the time. And just before we clear up, my little two-year-old comes to the table full of eats. And he says to me, Papa, can I have one of those and their little macaroons? Of course I'm going to say yes. What else am I supposed to say? I'm the grandpa. That's what we do. I said, of course you can. Big mistake. He goes to his dad and says, dad, can I? And Stu says, no, sorry, my boy, you've had too much uh, stuff. He comes across to me, too much. He comes across to me, says, my daddy says, no. What must I say now? Stupid daddy? I mean, what must I say in that moment, you know? So, so he looks and he looks at me. My daddy said no. And I could feel his tongue starting to come out the side of his mouth and he starts licking it, you know? Hey, I'm not eating it. Doesn't it sound just like us? God, I'm not sinning. I'm just licking. I'm just licking. No, the story gets worse. Because Dana takes the uh, macaroon out and she gives him a carrot. (laughs) Dear Jesus, what kind of mother is she who changes candy for carrots? (laughs) But isn't that what we do with God? See, I believe God's there. I believe God loves me. I believe God wants to meet my desire, but I'll tell him how. Because I want a macaroon God, not a carrot God. So what happens is we prescript the solution to our requests. We have faith, but faith is the macaroon faith. The faith is not the carrot faith. And I think sometimes God has to remind us and slowly with love and tenderness and intimacy journey us to a place to understand that his commitment is to our highest good. And that's why he doesn't answer our prayers the way we want to sometimes. Habakkuk, I'm going to deal with the death, destruction, violence in the nation, but I'm the carrot God, I'm not the macaroon god. Abraham is the father of our faith. He believed God and it was credited to him as r- righteous. See, he believed that God existed and that God could be trusted. Think for a moment. Use your Im- historical imagination. Here is a man of limited education. He doesn't have the text. He has nothing but intuition and sense. There's no Bible, no scriptures, but there's something inside of them. When he looks at the stars, he knows that there is a divine authorship. This isn't just sprinkled dust. This isn't just some random collection and, and collusion of eternity. This is an intelligent being. He put the stars together, and I'm sure he stood there and he said, who are you? Who are you? Are you, and he stood on the sand, and I've stood on the sand in Dubai, and it just is endless. Who, who are you, the sand maker? And then God called him to leave the familiar, the safe, the controllable, the known, and the certain. I want you to leave your family, boy. I want you to leave the city that you know well. I want you to walk away from the business connections that you have. Why would he want to do that? Because the just, the righteous, shall live by faith. Which means Abraham trusted the invisible God more than he trusted his own self management. Three global religions were born out of his seed the Jewish faith, the Muslim faith, and the Christian faith. Wow. Six words shaped humanity even historians and social anthropologists agree paul the great author entrepreneur businessman paul was the poster child of the religious order of the day he was born in the right family think clinton's or bush depending on your political leanings i won't argue he studied with the best tutors let's say yale He was the bright young idealist who took it upon himself to strike fear in the heart of Christians. Imprison or kill, I don't mind. I'm the poster boy of Phariseeism. I'm the future of Phariseeism. And I'm sure getting a lot of recognition for it. Why would this highly prestigious emerging leader with all the applause and recognition and credibility walk away from all of that? What did he know about those six words? The just shall live by faith. Martin Luther. Many of you know the story, history or religion or something you studied. He was born with a family of means. He was sent off to university to become a lawyer. His father believed in him. He was academically proficient, had good grades and graces, making his parents proud, but kind of got up to shenanigans at college. Was well known to not be fearful of a beer or two or three or four. Was not reluctant to party and certainly quite curious about sexual engagement. One day, he was walking through a lightning storm, lightning splashing all around him and he cried out to God in a moment of high fear. Not yet faith, high fear. God, if you will save me, I will serve you. He arrived safely out of the storm, at the lightning storm, and he made a decision to join a St. Augustinian monastery, walking away from all the perks and privilege of being a family of prestige, the potential wealth of being a lawyer, the credibility and the recognition, even of marriage. But you see, he didn't do that out of faith. He did that out of fear. And so whatever we do out of fear, we have to sustain by our own energy and effort. And I was particularly moved, and, and you know I'm a history nerd, so but I was particularly stirred recently when I revisited his story was how he was so passionate resilient. He would at times lie on the cold concrete floor of the abbey, crying out to God, all night, crying out to God, would you save a sinner like me? Would you save hour upon hour upon hour? Would you save a sinner like me? Eventually desperate, his peers and his seniors thought, well, the only thing we can get him to do is to go to Rome. Ladies and gentlemen, he walked. He walked 700 miles from Wittenberg to Rome. He arrived in Rome and was overwhelmed by the debauchery of the city, the corruption of the clergy, the high lifestyle, the lavish lifestyle, and the the, the economic disparity between the super rich, many of whom were church people, And the super poor. And so they decided to create a whole theology around indulgence as you give one of your family members who's died is saved out of hell or out of purgatory. And he despaired as he walked 700 miles home. I wonder what he thought of during those weeks. What happened to him? What did the just shall live by faith mean to him? That it doesn't mean to us. I think the Christian journey is to understand these words. It's not declaring our commitment to a high morality that follows. It's not commitment to theological knowledge and growth that follows. Remember we said that faith is a relational word. It means that I so encounter the one who loves me, the one who restores me back to a garden journey with him. It's something the psalmist understood when he said, deep calls to deep. There's a deep hunger inside of me to, re- to return to the garden and to encounter this incredible Savior. And what that means is that invariably all of us will have to surrender our comfort zones. And it's arguably the most difficult obstacle for every Christian. I was in a longer term relationship my senior year at high school into college. And Meryl and I were chatting over lunch today. Why did you break up with her? Because I remember my heart was broken. I remember sitting in the bottom of my yard and one of only one or two occasions when my father came and put his arm around me and loved me in that way. How are you doing, boy? But you see, I had come to faith. Remember the South African academic calendar is January through December. And it was the beginning of December that I cried out to God. I said, Lord, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this lifestyle anymore. There's something else, there's a deep course to deep inside of me. And I realized that Debbie was not the one that I was going to do life with. And my heart was broken. It wasn't like now, nah, I'm out of love with you." My heart was broken. Abraham's comfort zone was his house, his home, his family. Being known and being wealthy. Paul's comfort zone was the celebrated role as an emerging leader. The the future of the movement. The radical, the famous, the pious. Luther was living his family's wishes. He'd already sacrificed his life. He was an accredited, passionate monk. Deep devotion he had already shown. Only then to be excommunicated. Let me try and explain this to you. At the uh, Council of Worms. They basically did to him what the American government did to Osama bin Laden. They excommunicated him and they made him an outlaw, which means you had the right to kill him on sight. This wasn't just a momentary pious clash over a piece of theology or the 44 ingredients of the 90 that he punched on the wall in the church. He could be killed on sight. And knowing that, he stood before the Holy Roman Empire, Emperor and the Pope and he said, here I stand, I can do no other. What did he know about the just? Shall live by faith. I believe, and I am, believe it or not, coming into land, all you unbelievers. (laughs) I believe that these men, and I'm sorry ladies, I don't have... a a, a female example, I apologize for that. But I believe they found a personal, loving, caring God who wants a relationship with us every day as our highest and first relationship. I believe they saw in their own moments this, this God who deeply desires to restore us to a garden walk in the cool of the day. I believe they saw that there is a God who is full of grace and full of mercy and full of kindness. I believe they saw a God who is redeeming, a God who is transforming, a God who is full of love and light. You see, I think those six words will call on all of us to surrender our comfort zone. so we walk away from him and we say there's no intellectual reason for my faith no sir no madam that's not that your intellectual argument moves you away from a heartfelt conviction that this god is worth living for There's a higher calling. There's a fuller life of meaning and purpose and legacy. The just shall live by faith. That's the invitation. That's what he said to Habakkuk. He said, Habakkuk, I want you to see how I do what I do. Just sit quietly and watch. And I love the last verse in this passage that I've just closed. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent before him. Shh, 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 shh. Stop all your arrogant bleating. Stop your, um, what's that The thing Leander wanted to eat? Macaroon. Oh, you have a way more holy God, righteous God, complete God, who knows everything that's inside of you and me and calls it out of us to live extraordinary lives. But only if we embrace that this will cost us our comfort zones. For some, it's arguments. For some, it's geography. For some, it's a home. For some, it's near family. For some, it's my finances. We all have our comfort zone. You may say, well, Chris, I'm landing. You, you know, you, you, you left South Africa. Oh, yes, yeah, so did Abraham's family. They journeyed to Ur of the Chaldeans. And I'm sure we thought, okay, we've done our bit. We've made one move. God said, oh, oh, oh no, you haven't. Pack up. It's time to do it again. The just shall live by faith. Faith is a relational word. It means I trust him. Fully. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer, please? Todd, can you come and give me a hand? I think there's a song in us, I'm sure. Would you put your hands on your lap? I learned that from Todd. Have you got something for us, Todd? Would you pray for us, bro?
2: It's well, such an honor to be here, I uh, couldn't even begin to tell you what a massive impact Chris and Merrill have had on our lives, truly, and so many leaders that I'm on the journey with look to this couple, ironically, is, you know, they seem ageless, they're really not, um, but they look to them to help understand the future, and, uh, you know, when I was walking over, having to park quite a ways away, by the way, Yeah, I know. Um, so it was a good prophetic walk, I was thinking, um, I was in San Francisco this week, and I traveled quite a bit, and I had my first chance to rent and drive a Tesla. Um, I've been in a Tesla, I've never driven a Tesla. Have you guys driven Teslas, anyone? And I was kind of cocky, honestly. I, I got into it, and I just wanted to get out, and she's like, do you know how to do this? Oh, I got this. Literally sat for five minutes just trying to figure out how to turn it on. <laughs> and, and then it was just embarrassment after embarrassment. Um, but it was really fascinating because I, I felt like, man, I'm sitting in the future. And we're starting to have friends that are car guys. And they're saying, oh, yeah, now Hyundai and Kia and all these others are. But Tesla was really the, the first. And, and I, I, I guess what I want to tell you guys is, I was walking around, like, you guys are sitting in the future of the church. I really believe that. Not just the future of this church, but the future of the church. I believe even this building, um, John, well done, man, by the way. It's beautiful. And it's like a greenhouse. And this is going to be a greenhouse where um, you're going to watch things grow that aren't ready for the main stages of big churches in Orange County or different places. They will be someday, but it's going to begin here. Um, But this is a place where, first of all, you're going to discover, ironically, the the future is going to look a lot like the past. Chris knows that. It is tables and its intimacy and it's church's family and it's the empowerment of raw Leaders that you know may never make it on the stage of Saddleback or whatever, but suddenly you're going to find yourself here being called into moments and then sent out to Portugal. And so I just would say, what a beautiful place to discover the future, but discover your future. And Brian and I were sitting back looking at this fan. What happens when this thing goes on is what I want to know. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> but the last the last picture I had um, that hopefully doesn't become true is like almost the roof literally being lifted off the building. And, um, and I just believe that for this church, but for you, um, uh, largely, I know the reason people my age are here is to cheer you on, um, which is most of the room, is you are the future and this, this community are, is going to lift the ceiling on you in terms of what you see in yourself. If you hang out here long enough, you're going to discover that there's so much more for you than you would have settled for. So I'd like to pray that for you. Would you, would you open your hands? and. Lord, first of all, I just thank you for the gift of space um, and place, both are very important. So we just say, thank you, Lord, you're so generous. Thank you for John and Chris and their faithfulness, but this is your doing and we just lay claim to it. But we also thank you that um, in this space, you're going to lead not just this church into her future, but many churches into their future. You're gonna sow seeds, they're gonna grow men and women. They're gonna discover a a church that very much needs to um, be discovered in this new season where everything's so messed up and new foundations are being laid, Lord. We just pray that you would give Genesis and the leadership of Chris and Merrill and this team the grace to be an adventure, not just for themselves, but for many others. And um, I just pray that, that ceilings would be lifted here, Lord, far beyond what whatever been imagined and we just thank you for a moment to share together where uh, you have done a good thing and you're this is both a finish line but i just celebrate the starting line of a new chapter and uh, uh the words in jeremiah seek me call to me and i'll show you show you great and unsearchable things you have not known and Lord, thank you for the the spirit of adventure that already lies in this community And I just pray more, Lord, more adventure, more discovery for the sake of those here and for the sake of many not here, Lord, more. We pray this in your name, Jesus, amen.
0: Thank you. Thanks, John. So appreciate it, man. Uh, John and Chrissy, could you come up? We're going to sing one more song or so. and We wanted to be finished by 5.30. We've got a couple of minutes. But while we sing, I'd love some of you to just come and rally around them. We'd love this community, Pacific Point Church, to be blessed this will be not a great story for its beginning. It will be a great story for its ongoing faith adventure. Come on up here, you thug. I love this guy, man. And and, and, wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Hey, listen, we're a legit church now. We've got a stage. You know what I mean? I mean, five years we haven't had one, John. You've made us legit, bro. We're like a real thing right now. All right, Um, can some of you just come and rally around them and just pray for them. With everyone else stand, I think we've got another song in us just to enjoy them.